So I am so glad to have you with me, Ashley, um, or Freely Ashley, you know, whatever you go by. <laughs> People know you by both names. Um, you know, we, you and I ended up on a, on a panel together, um, which I never thought I'd find myself on, which was uh, feminism, <laughs> Some, something to do with feminism. I feel like I was, um, um, I ended up on the wrong side of feminism. Um, but, but actually weirdly aligned. It was, it was the, uh, was feminism dead or something like that? Is it over, has it overstepped? Do you remember what that panel was? Yeah, it was basically, um, it was basically, I can't remember the actual name of it. I do remember I was so, so utterly nervous for that, that I was like shaking. Like I was sitting here like, oh, wow. uh, cause it, yeah, it was like, well, it was my first kind of experience with like a big, um, like going live on a bigger platform. And then I, I'm not good at debates. Like I, I actually struggle with it just because of the the confrontational aspect of it. I'm, I'm actually not a confrontational person. So, um, but I wanted to kind of push myself. And uh, so I don't feel like I did the best, but yeah, it was basically, cause I, I, I think feminism has, has completely been corrupted at this point, um, just in the U S at least like Western feminism. Um, I think that yeah. it's, it's probably applicable to different parts of the world, but here it's just, I think it's just taken on a completely different meaning other than what people think that it means. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, but yeah, uh, so that pep panel was really interesting. And I, I feel like the whole time, a lot of us kind of just kept talking past each other. Like, uh, <laughs> so I think, I think a couple of people had like an old school interpretation of it and we were kind of talking about the modernized version. And so I think arguing from those two different perspectives didn't really like, you know, get the point across uh, as well, but yeah. I think that's an important distinction actually. Yeah, like uh, a uh, understanding what what that means. Is it the old school definition or the new uh, definition? I mean, often we get stuck on definitions uh, because we don't, we're not talking about the same things and then we end up arguing. And then the other thing you said is, is you know, um, in different countries, you know, versus the West, it's it's a different thing, and the relevancy is is different. Some some places are indeed still very much fighting for, you know, what I consider to be human rights. Um, I always kind of said that I'm not a feminist, but a humanist, um, mm -hmm. because I, I I believe in in equal rights, equal opportunities, and um, you know, to me, that's what feminism sort of represented. But of course, that is my definition. And that isn't necessarily the definition that other people might apply to feminism. But you, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, I do remember being on the panel with you and you were just much more, uh, you know, reserved and, and then coming across your, your videos and where you were like, wow, she's saying things that I would, you know, I would be terrified to say, uh, <laughs> some of which I, you know, agree with, and some of which I probably very strongly disagree with, since we're maybe a little bit, uh, let's say, ideologically or politically misaligned on probably a lot of things. But I, I very much respected you for being able to say that. And then um, I guess at this point in your life, would you consider yourself more, I guess, more conservatively aligned or centrist or where, where do you find yourself? I guess I should clarify that before I assume. 
Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I would say, so I call myself a conservative. I, to me, it's kind of a shorthand moniker. You know, I do have uh, various different viewpoints on various different topics, as I think everyone should. I don't think uh, just, I, I, I think right now we're so polarized that it seems like just because uh, you kind of have a, a certain label, people assume that you're all in on every single, um, you know, perspective of that ideology. I, I kind of just disagree with that. But so um, I would I would say that I find myself kind of um, uh, a libertarian with conservative values. I, th I think that's a, the most apt description, just because I do think that there is, um, you know, I, I don't think everybody should live the exact same way that I live and that sort of thing. But I think the live and let live mantra uh, has to have like a, a boundary. You know what I mean? I don't think we can just run the society by live and let live because that can actually lead down some some pretty bad roads, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I think I align a lot with conservatism on almost every point besides religion. I, I actually still am an atheist or agnostic or, or what have you. So it's kind of a, I'm in an interesting boat, um, especially being like I was a former leftist. Um, and uh, so now it's just kind of, I'm a weird hybrid, I think. Yeah. And that, that was something that I thought was quite interesting about you is that you are a former leftist and, um, you know, um, that must have been you know, an, an interesting transition and in some ways, probably a difficult one. And um, so I guess first things first is like, how did you, what was the sort of pivotal moment for you that you transitioned, <laughs> transitioned? Um, <laughs> sorry. No, um, I, I just cracked myself up over a stupid joke. Uh, but um, so, um, you know, so you transitioned, like what was that pivotal point for you that caused you to, you know, change your, your alignment? Uh, was there, was it one specific thing or was it over time that you change your viewpoints? Yeah, it, um, it took actually a few years. Uh, it was a, a gradual process that kind of just kind of kept building up. And what sparked it was that, um, so I, I was pretty far left and my husband was like left leaning. I would say he wasn't fairly political. Right. And he wasn't my husband at, at this time. So, uh, but in 2016, he voted for Trump and he did it really, really last minute. And he had kind of been mulling it over during the day. And all of a sudden, just right before the polls closed, he went out and he voted and he didn't tell me. Uh, so, cause he, he knew I would freak out cause I hated Trump so much, um, uh, to, to, a just to like the degree, like hearing the name would like, evoke an emotional response, which is uh, pretty silly now that I think about it. But um, so we were kind of watching the election uh, results roll in. And when they finally called it, I basically had a meltdown um, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I was like crying hysterically and I was yelling about how everyone's going to lose their rights. And it was very, very dramatic. And uh, yeah. he, yeah, um, which, which actually, you know, I, I have to kind of just laugh about it. I was really embarrassed about it, actually. Uh, once I, I kind of had come out of the haze of all of that. Um, luckily I did it in the privacy of my own home. So like, <laughs> I wasn't like the, everyone, uh, a lot of people call me the no girl, like that no meme, uh, you know, the girl screaming on election day, but um, uh, yeah. So 
when he told me, I was very angry and it took a few days to kind of like mull that over in my head. And I was like, like, I just didn't understand. And I kind of chastised him at the time. And I was like, well, you don't even know about anything about politics. And he took that as kind of a challenge essentially. And then he went and he started just learning a lot more about, about a lot of things and his mind started changing on a lot of different topics. And he, uh, he started leaving, leaning more towards the right. And, uh, and that was really difficult for me um, to kind of come to terms with. We had been together like five, six years at that point. So it was like, all of a sudden, you know, the person that I love is is having this big uh, shift in how they're kind of viewing the world, essentially. And I didn't know how to handle that. And then he just wanted to talk about stuff, right? So he would try to kind of broach conversations with me and I would have a a really hard time uh, just just talking civilly. Like I would get really worked up. I would get really angry. I think that had to do with a lot of cognitive dissonance, like especially he would kind of challenge one of my viewpoints and he did it very gently. You know, obviously this is a person that I love. He's not sitting there yelling at me or calling me stupid or anything like that. It was just kind of poking and, and uh, <laughs> prodding at, at what I thought. And once I kind of like started realizing, I kind of started seeing it within myself. Like, why am I getting so angry? Why is this so difficult for me? And now that I look back, it was just because I couldn't defend most of my positions from anything other than like an emotional appeal perspective. Um, I, I didn't have a whole lot of the facts on my side either. It was just kind of like, well, this is what I thought and this is what I feel. So that's what's true. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, and I started exposing myself, myself to other perspectives. I started listening to a variety of of just different content creators, people. Um, and I just kind of started getting to a place of like, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe, uh, I don't understand things well enough. And that led me down just the path of basically reanalyzing all of my positions on on a bunch of different topics. And there's some stuff now that I just, I don't have like a really hard stance on. So I don't, you know, I don't talk about certain, certain things um, because I just like, well, I I don't understand this enough to to have a really, really well-formed opinion. So I'm not going to preach about it or anything like that. There, there's a a few things that I, I do take hard stances on now, but um. Anyway, so yeah, I just, I just kind of went through that process and it, like I said, it took a couple of years. Uh, it started in 2016 to 2017 was when we started kind of having these conversations and talking through stuff. And, um, we would sit down and we would watch like content together, like just YouTube videos and we would talk about them. It was actually a really, really great way to broach a lot of different subjects in a non-combative way. You know, it's like, we're, we're just watching a video and we'll pause it and talk about it or we'll wait till it's over and we'll discuss what we heard. And I remember the first time we did that, it was like a Jordan Peterson video. And at the end of the video, I was like, well, I don't agree with like, anything he said. And my husband was like, that's okay. Like, that's okay. Like, you can you can disagree. It's totally fine. Like, that's fine. Well, what, what did you disagree about? You know, and he would kind of do that. And, uh, and yeah, and then we finally did get to a place where we could talk about stuff civilly. And then, uh, and I can't, I can't tell you what I changed my mind on first. I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I didn't write down or, you know, uh, pinpoint those things just because it took place over a really long time. But I do remember in 2019 was like, I think the final straw that broke the camel's back was probably the abortion issue. 
and uh, and realizing that a lot of people were supporting abortion until birth. And that really, really took me aback. And I think like it really started like like all the bubbles burst kind of in that moment of like, well, I'm sitting here and I'm questioning all these things and I'm wondering and my, my mind started to change on a few things, but I was, I was really private about it. Like I didn't tell anyone I was going through this. I, I just kind of stopped talking about politics um, in my personal life, you know, when I was at work and stuff like that, because I had a few coworkers I would talk about politics with. And I just kind of got quiet. And, and then in 2019, that was pretty much when I was like, yep, yeah, I'm done. I, I can't, I don't align anymore. My, my viewpoints literally don't align. And then I started, I started seeing also just how, hostile everyone had become, how hostile I was, how unwilling I was to engage in a civil discussion with someone that I disagree with. Um, and that really just led me down kind of a path of like self-reflection and self-analysis uh, and which I, I feel like I've always kind of done just in, in a way of like how I feel about stuff, but it, it got much more introspective uh, in those, in those years following. And it wasn't even until like somewhere in the middle of 2020 that I just kind of realized like I am conservative now. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't actually like a conscious, like, okay, well I'm not on the left. So I have to go on the right. That's not how it happened. That's why I kind of call it a shift instead of like mm -hmm. a flip, because I think a lot of people do have that mindset of like, well, I don't belong here. So I must belong here. Um, it's just kind of where I found myself. And <laughs> again, I don't, I don't fit in. <laughs> I don't fit in with the <laughs> typical conservative still. So um, I have maintained that sense of individuality, I think. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's right. basically the, the the story in a nutshell, I guess. Well, um, OK, so I find it kind of interesting. Um, I always wanted to talk to one of those people who cried when Trump got elected, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I was not a fan, um, but I, it didn't bring me to tears. Um, so what do you think it was that um, caused that kind of like level of emotional attachment? Um, I, I mean, I, I think Trump was a great example of that, but I mean, there's all other kinds of examples. But what what do you think it was in you that that brought you to being that, you know, that meme? <sighs> You know, and I've, I've been thinking about this for years at this point, and I think there was a very much a strong sense of like a doomsday scenario, right? Like he's going to get elected and everything is going to just go downhill. Everything's going to, you know, the world as we know it will end and everything will be, uh, you know, toppled over basically, which is kind of funny to me now because that's basically what happened in 2020. Um, but yeah, it was... I, I think that the media played a huge role in that. All I ever heard was Trump evil, Trump bad, um, you know, the end of democracy, a threat to democracy, like all, all of these like repeated ideas and mantras, basically. It's, it's what a lot of talking points on the left have actually become are mantras. They're, they're not even talking points anymore. They're just repeated ad nauseum. And that's why people believe it is is that there is a merit in that idea of like, if you repeat something enough times, people will believe it because they will. Um, I mean, it, it, and that, that goes to show that there's a lot of like, uh, like statistics that get repeated over and over and over that are actually false. And it's so hard to get the information out there that, Hey, this is actually a, a false 
uh, representation of this one specific statistic, you know, that happens all over the place. Like somebody misinterprets it and then that gets published and then it just gets repeated ad nauseum. And it, it, it it's really hard to kind of reel that in. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I very much believed that he was like all of the, all of the buzzwords, you know, um, the, the homophobic and the, the transphobic and the xenophobic. And, and, you know, I just, I just thought he hated everyone and everything. And it's like Trump, Trump is an ass. Like, <laughs> sorry, uh, if, if you don't swear. Okay. We can agree uh, on that. Eh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, like he, he is an arrogant, pompous person. And, he, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, his ego is very big, almost to a fault, but it's actually, also, weirdly enough, what kind of makes him impervious because he has that big ego and you can basically say whatever you want about him. It's not going to really touch him, you know, <laughs> uh, for somebody who's more self-introspective, uh, you know, really, really harsh criticism is dif more difficult to take. Right. So it's just one of those things. It's kind of like his uh, his his superpower and his uh, his downfall all in the same time. But, yeah, I as much as I don't think, I don't think he's a good representation of any type of conservative values whatsoever. So I think like it's kind of weird to me that some like really diehard conservatives kind of act like that. Um, I think he had, I think he had good policies. I think he did uh, a good job while in office in, in regards to what he was doing. Like there was uh, a couple of things that he did, like the right to try act was something that I had supported once I learned about it. That was a big thing too, is nobody was telling uh, like left-wing media wasn't telling people, Hey, this is actually a good thing that he did. You should, you should be glad that he did this you know, one, one thing, give him props, but it was never like that. It's just always a smear campaign, which, uh, which really influences people's opinions, you know? Yeah. I, I imagine that, um, of the people, whether they're voting left, right, very few are actually aware of what the policies are and most of it is personality based which is unfortunate and then when the attacks come it, it becomes you know whatever they sort of hear in the media but very rarely policy and i've always sort of tried to encourage people to be like okay if you disagree with a policy go for it you know you have free mm -hmm. reign do it you know please um but but that's not generally what happens because i suspect that most people are just completely unaware of what these policies are aside from maybe something that's just completely hyped up in the in the media or even um you know an example of and and this is not like a political statement on this particular bill but even something like don't say don't say gay bill, right? Uh, well, it's not even called that, but most people would be under the impression that it's called that. So unless you really look into it, you don't know what it says, you don't know what it's called, and you just hear it and it's it's like, man, that's like a horrible, what a horrible bill, like, it, like look at the name. I mean, at least from mm -hmm. my perspective, based on my values. So, um, and I think that 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 is just so common and uh, people just don't really dig into things by themselves. And there's just this kind of scandalous um, coverage of things. Mm -hmm. But for you, I mean, you're you're probably your whole circle was more on the left. So sort of changing would have been, I imagine, a socially a difficult thing. Yeah, it's interesting because at the time that I was going through this, I actually uh, my last like nine to five job, it was uh, it was actually more conservative people. And it was actually a really interesting way for me to kind of meet a whole a whole bunch of 
people who are either more conservative or right-leaning. Um, I also worked with a lot of former military, former police officers, and I didn't really know a lot of that when I started working there, you know? And so I was kind of surrounded by these people with, uh, with varying viewpoints and a lot of people who I would have disagreed with. And we got to know each other first and I grew to really, you know, really like some of these people and we, we, we worked together well and it was good. And then kind of just in conversation and stuff, realized how different I was in comparison, which is interesting. Um, a lot of my family is pretty left wing still. And uh, luckily my closest friends are not political. They just don't care. Okay. Like they, 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 my, my best friend is, she doesn't know anything about politics. She doesn't care to know. She says, everybody has a right to their opinion. I have, you know, my basic view of the world. They don't care about all that stuff going on. And so I was probably one of the most political people just in my sphere. And uh, yeah, like, and, and then I like, you know, I got pregnant and I had my babies and I quit my job. So a lot of those kind of friendships were just friend, friendships of convenience. You know, we all have them at work and stuff. So they kind of just um, faded away, uh, so to speak. So my circle just got really, really small. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of people that I went to high school with that are super left wing. Um, a lot more people have been finding me lately. I've gotten some messages and people have been very supportive in my, my actual life, um, which is, which is really nice. And, uh, so yeah, it's kind of like this weird thing where it caused waves with a few family members, um, that has been patched over since then. So luckily I didn't, I didn't have that experience of like losing everybody I ever knew. My circle had already been kind of condensed to the, the few closest people around me, but I was also like, I felt really isolated at the same time. Um, like obviously 2020 and all everything that entailed, but while that was happening, uh, with the, I'm trying to, you know, the C19, uh, I was actually like, I had been put on bed rest a couple weeks before that went down. And then I had my babies the week that we went to a state of emergency. So like while the world is dealing with all that, I'm dealing with like, you know, my own life and, and the craziness of having premature babies and all of that. So I was kind of just in this weird like bubble of, you know, everyone's complaining about being in lockdown. I'm driving to the hospital every single day, you know, an hour away. So it was just a, a very surreal I had a very different experience in, in comparison. Um, but yeah, like, and then kind of after that, like, obviously, uh, we, I just didn't have contact with a lot of people. Like I, I had two, two new, new babies and all of that. So um, got to a point where all my views had shifted. My life had changed dramatically, just becoming a mother and, and a wife. And then I'm just kind of left like, well, who do I, who can I talk to about any of this stuff? Like I couldn't, uh, my husband and I talk a lot of, about a lot of stuff, obviously, but I wanted to kind of, um, I don't know, just, just meet other people who have a similar experience to mine or, or, you know, kind of expose myself to just other, other normal people like who are conservative and stuff like that. So it's just kind of this really weird spot that I was in and, uh, and yeah, and that's when I started TikTok. So. So how did that go? Did you feel exposed? Um, I know for me, it's like kind of nerve wracking to be, you know, my views are less, I suppose, divisive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you find it, do you find yourself feeling vulnerable or or did you in the beginning, um, you know, did you care about the comments you were getting? Uh, Yeah. So when I first 
started talking about politics um, over on TikTok, I was very, I was very scared. I was very scared. I was very nervous. And I had been feeling that way for a long time. I felt like I was walking on eggshells around like every, like even just in normal interactions and stuff. Like I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want people to think I'm, I'm bad or evil or any of the things that I used to think about um, conservatives or, or right-leaning people or anything like that. Cause I used to have a really harsh view. And uh, so I, I knew that I would get treated the same way. And I just got tired of that. Like I said, I felt really isolated and um, I was like, I just need a place. I just need a place to be able to say what I think about stuff and not, not, you know, kind of work through this also and, and get used to just being outspoken again. Cause I used to be really, really outspoken. Like I, okay. and I wasn't even doing it on online. Like when I was uh, on the left, I, I would do it in person. I would, I would spout off you right, like, right to your face, you know? So it was just this, <laughs> this uh, complete like transition of like being a loud mouth who probably didn't really know much to like, okay, I feel more educated, but now I'm afraid to talk. Like, and I wanted to work through that, which is, which is a big reason why I got on there. And I had a really warm welcome. Um, I, I got a lot of support and I got a lot of people who were just really like asking questions, like really inquisitive and wanting to know what happened and how did you go through this and why, and why did you change your mind? You know, all of the, all of the questions. And so I spent a lot of time in the beginning just making videos, doing that, just going through and answering questions. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like making content in the way I am now. It was very much more like conversational. It was a lot more of dialogue of like, I would pick comments and kind of respond to those. And, um, and then I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I feel like I've answered all the questions. And even when I go back and I watch my earliest videos, I'm so reserved. Like you, I can hmm. tell I'm, I'm just trying my best to like, Cause I didn't want to come across as like, I don't know, uh, like being mean to be mean or, and, and I'm very, I'm still very much committed to that. I, I don't like to be mean to be mean. I, I think it's completely unproductive. It's not my vibe, you know? Um, now I'm just, I'm just very blunt. I'm very direct, uh, straightforward about what I think. Uh, and, and that can come across as rude to some people, but I, I try really hard not to, but anyway, yeah. So it, it's just really funny to me to go back like a year ago and watch like my first videos. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like just say it, <laughs> just say it. it's not that scary. <laughs> and uh, no, I think a lot of people can probably really relate to that, uh, regardless of where they find themselves. I mean, just today I was talking to someone who felt, um, well, so I have, uh, one of the pieces that I, uh, wrote, uh, on my Substack. it was about self-censorship. And what's mm -hmm. really neat about it is that it gets a lot of, uh, it really connects with people and it connects with people regardless of what political spectrum they're on. When they read it, it like resonates with them. And it, it really doesn't matter if they're conservatives or they're, you know, socialists, essentially. And, and I hear from different kinds of people. So, and they all feel like, I mean, it's kind of sad, but they all feel like they have to self-censor to an extent, depending on what group they're in. And mm -hmm. because when you find yourself in a group that's large enough in number, you know, unfortunately, people do have this tendency to be very intolerant. And I find that, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you saw because conservatives, they do think experienced a lot of intolerance from 
the left and sort of were advocating for more tolerance and, you know, less censorship and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I have found that when they grew in number, started some, you know, I, I'm generalizing because obviously that isn't true of everyone at all. But uh, a, a large, a large enough segment I found started behaving in the same kinds of ways that I found uh, to be problematic on the left. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I also talk to people who recognize that people like you and, and other people um, uh, on the right who sort of reach out to me and, and, and have conversations with me about this where they're like, you know, we recognize this is happening. We want to do better. We want to hold our community accountable. And um, but that is what's happening, you know, and that's the reality. I think it's just part of human nature. You know, it's not a political thing, ultimately. It's just, it's something about group identity and and I think anger, you know. I think, you know, maybe at some point the left felt like they were victimized, didn't have power. And then at another point, it's like the right felt like they were victimized, didn't have power. And then when they get a little bit of power and they're a large enough group, they start shutting down the people that they disagree with. So that's what I'm seeing happening. So I don't even know where <laughs> that's well, where we came. It's it's funny that you say that because I don't know more and more like I've 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 seen the tone change uh, pretty dramatically. I would say in the last like six months, especially maybe the last year, uh, because it's it's really interesting. Like when I kind of kind of came on the scene, so to speak everybody was very welcoming. It was like open arms. It was just very curious. Um, there were a few people like very staunch, like once a commie, always a commie, you don't get to yeah. be in our group type of silly nonsense, which are just like, dude, if you want people to actually change their minds on stuff, you, you do have to be willing to like accept them into, into your little club. Um, I think it's, it's just shows how tribalistic people can be. And with the things that are being promoted on the left, uh, a lot of people are viewing this as a good versus evil type of thing, which which leads to uh, down a dangerous road, in my opinion, because like there are certain things, um, certain ideas, certain viewpoints that I think we can probably say, yeah, that's, that's, that's evil. Um, it's not that's not a word I typically use. I, I, I typically describe things just in a different way. Um, but I think there are things that are being done that are evil. I don't think every single person who is supporting some of those things are evil. I think that they probably have a very skewed view. Um, I think a lot of people are misled. They're not given all of the information. So they think they think that they are genuinely supporting the right thing. They're doing the right things. And I think that's something that a lot of people who have always been on the right are kind of, they're just not understanding perhaps um, that, that you can actually support some pretty heinous, things and think that you're doing the right thing think that you're doing something for good um and that's kind of why I like I, I just want people to like wake up and uh maybe maybe yeah. th think things through a bit more yeah and I think this is probably something because both of us have really been on both ends I mean I'm I'm still you know I'm still a liberal for most of my views and some 
I don't like to also identify so like strongly, but I, but as <laughs> I think as I spend more time around conservatives, I've realized how much, <laughs> how much of a liberal I am, uh, ironically enough, but, but my views kind of differ. I try to take it issue by issue, mm -hmm. but, uh, but despite this, like, you know, I've been hanging around both sides, you know, I've been around all sorts of different people and, and kind of intimately getting to know them and how they think. And I think, and, and you've had the same sort of experience having sort of been part of both tribes in a way, uh, even though you're still very much an individualist. Um, and I think that allows you to really understand how people think and where they're coming from versus like, yeah, I do think a lot of times people will label you know, okay, let's take something oh, very mildly, mild and uncontroversial, like uh, child, you know, children transitioning, right? That's, that's like an immediate thing. If, if you're talking to somebody who's a conservative, um, the, generally, the view is tends to be very much like, you know, they're, at this point, if they are, they're monsters, you know, they're, it's crime, they should be hung. Like, it's very extreme, the rhetoric around that. And I can understand why they think that. But having talked to parents of, of kids that you know, at the very least, they consider to be transgender uh, and might be transgender. Um, that parent is certainly not thinking in the terms that those people describe. They really are thinking, my child is, is in this need. This is what the doctors are telling me. I am concerned about the child. So maybe the choices that they're making for the child aren't the right choices based on, but they're going based on this information within the bubble that they're in and they're making these choices. And I don't, and if you come at them and you call them, you know, you're a monster, they're never going to be open to seeing your point of view. And they're just, their view of these conservatives is that you don't accept their child, that you mm -hmm. don't like trans people. So, so you were never going to align. And so unless you're able to kind of have that meeting point where you're able to kind of understand where each other is coming from, you're not going to have any kind of productive discourse where we can sort of begin to to get anywhere and abortion i mean we we were talking you know we we had a i think you know posted a meme maybe a meme wasn't even my my own mother didn't like that I, <laughs> um that i we had some disagreements in my own family about this meme but um but you know, I had a particular intention. Some people who are very pro-life decided they wanted to throw me under the tracks and that was the best choice in their pro-life view, <laughs> you know, whereas you, you know, no, I <laughs> argued your point and I have zero problem with that, uh, regardless of whether I agree or disagree, because you're just giving me something to consider. And mm -hmm. we might have different viewpoints, but I've actually very much like the really strong, well-argued points of views on this matter, I have considered seriously and have taken seriously because they came in good faith and were, were well thought out. Um, and 
and to just, but then there, I had so many people calling me, you know, all sorts, you know, assuming the very worst, like I want to kill children mm -hmm. and I hate children and I'm a horrible leftist and all these terrible things. And where does it get anybody? And then you have people basically taking the most radical, uh, or the most extreme stances of each way, right? So you either, uh, if you're pro-life, you know, ideally you give do away with contraception too. Um, and if you're pro-choice, you know, extreme pro-choice, then you do away, you, you can have abortion up to the moment of, of pregnancy or maybe even, you know, beyond that. Those are really extreme points. And if you don't have any way of like coming to any kind of compromise or understanding, you're never going to have any level of agreement between sort of the sane, rational people. And, and yeah. I, we see and, that in society through most issues. And that's what um, it fr it's frustrating me more and more because, because of that. And I think, I think quite honestly, a lot of a lot of this has been caused by the push farther left, right? So I think, I think honestly, in a lot of cases, the left created the boogeymen that they have been screaming about for so long, uh, because now we do have people who are completely unwilling to to accept like like trans people. Um, you know, I am somebody who I am completely against uh, childhood medical transition for adults. I don't know. I, I question the ethical. Um, the, eth the ethical implications of, of certain procedures, like the certain types of surgery when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, SRS and stuff like that, because I've actually watched the surgeries. I've, I've seen what happens. It seems very experimental, but I, that's how I approach it. It's not that oh, I, I want you to live your life a very specific way. It's, is this a good, is this really what we should be allowing? Um, or, or, or is this what sh people should be doing? You know, is, is this actually for the person? Yeah, is it is yeah. it actually good for them? Is it going to result in net positives down the road? Um, and that that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but you know, and the more that I see conversations online take place, the more that I'm just like, man, like this is not going to help either side. You sit here and you demonize individuals. Um, and now, now I think people on the right have gotten so tired of being demonized that they're just throwing it back. And I've actually had arguments with people that I'm uh, friends with. Like <laughs> I, uh, I do a podcast with a buddy of mine and, and we kind of went back and forth uh, live on one of our podcasts. And he was like, well, you have to kind of throw it back in their face. Sometimes you got to treat them how they treat you. And I'm like, no, you don't. You have to be the bigger person. You have to rise above it. You have to show that, um, that your ideas can, can, win uh, I don't know for lack of a better term yeah. can be persuasive enough you know to, yeah. to make somebody maybe question their own stance um and I'm really snarky too like a lot of my videos like I throw throw a little bit of my snark in there and stuff like that but I think overall like I try very hard and I analyze kind of all my the way the way that I share my viewpoints you know and sometimes I'm, I don't do a great job. And sometimes I think I think I do pretty well. So it's just one of those things where if you're not willing to keep yourself in check, how do you expect anybody else to do the same? You know, and, and that's just where I come from. I'm, I'm like, man, a lot, a lot of these ideas, like, it's not good. It's, it's not, it's from my perspective, it's not going to result in something positive down the road, it's going to result in harm to a lot of people. 
And as much as somebody might argue that a, a given thing is bad, you have you have to kind of keep in mind that people don't understand it or they're not seeing it in that same light. So you have you have to get reach them. You have to talk to them, not at them. And I think that throwing personal insults around and like I saw that that thread that that you had posted and we went back and forth on and uh, you know. I, I do that. I'll, I'll respond a couple times and then I'm like, okay, I said what I need to say. I'm going to disengage. But then I came back to it and I started looking through comments and I was like, whoa, bro, like this is not, <laughs> this is not okay. Like, because people were being really, uh, re just really mean to you. And it was just like, bro, like you don't have to, you don't have to approach conversations like this. So then I think I posted another comment with like a thread that I had just written about how, not every, but not every half conversation has to have a winner or a loser. Like we're just having a conversation. I didn't, you're not winning. I'm not winning. You're not losing. I'm not losing. Like we're just sharing ideas. That's how it should be. And, uh, and yeah, that's I the problem with debates, media. right? Like, um... yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's actually why I just, I just hate debates, uh, because they're not debates anymore. They're basically when they're had online, it's two creators who, presumably both have their own audiences and each audience is watching on their end and they're just slamming the other person and think that the person that they like is the winner regardless. Nothing actually gets accomplished. I love like yeah. formal debates, like real debates. Like I love watching that. It helps a lot kind of uh, see what both perspectives are and kind of analyze both at the same time and see what a rebuttal would be to an argument maybe that you know, you've been thinking about for a long time and you have trouble articulating so you can watch somebody else do it. And you're like, oh, okay, that's actually a good point. Or you can see where they might fail, that sort of thing. But like the social media debates, like. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and, and also sometimes you fail just because you couldn't think in the moment of this, you know, and then you think five, you know, five hours later and you come up well, and, but you've lost right to the audience, but actually <laughs> like, no, you, you've had a fantastic, you know, and they failed to understand that uh, re that great rebuttal, um, so so it's like it, it gives a false impression of of um, of the argument. So so it's not, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think do, I do prefer conversations as well because you, then you're trying to get somewhere. You're investigating together, and you're building on each other's, and you're sort of invested together to getting somewhere closer to to an understanding. Of something but yeah i mean i find i do find these kind of um conversations just to be so um people very much listen to sort of respond and when and when they and they assume a lot right like they look at you know my bio or what they believe my identity markers are and based on that they're going to to respond in a way that they want to punch you know and and it's like well i'm not i'm not there for that that's not my intent i'm not there to get like little wins in on social media um mm -hmm. and and that but that's even their assumption because so many people are so i kind of get that even you know i know that the original the person who posted the original meme that was their intention. It wasn't necessarily my intention, but I get that they don't know that. But also what you were saying is, um, you know, essentially that argument is like, you got to win, play with fire to win. Um, 
and you, you got to when you know fire goes against fire and this kind of idea of you know what i keep hearing is like well we've been nice long enough we've been polite long enough i'm like well i don't know have you really been polite <laughs> first of all but this is my snarky answer uh but the other part of it is like look, if, if you're going to use the exact same tools that were used against you that you really didn't like, right? Why, what makes you better that your ideas are better? Well, they think their ideas are better. And mm -hmm. so, so what, in the end of the day, what makes you, you so great? Because you say that they're the devil and you're the, you know, the angel, like I, 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 and you have Jesus on your side, like, I really don't understand. But, <laughs> but a lot of people like, that's what I'm hearing. And it used to be, you know, when I first started having these conversations, you know, quote, unquote, with the other side, I did feel sort of welcome, because I felt like there was a level of respect of like, hey, you're you're willing to engage with us and in good faith. And it's okay. You might have different feelings of viewpoints, but you're willing to have the conversation and you're willing to defend our right to, to have speech, you know, and not vilify us. And that was enough, you know, and I think that was a great start. And, you know, some of these people are still, still take that approach. And, mm -hmm. but then there's a huge segment now, and I feel like it's a growing one. I don't think it's just in my head because I talked to enough people who noticed this. As you said, I do think that it's like the boogie, the boogeyman was, you know, to some extent it was the left who did create the boogeyman with these extreme, with the extremism that was happening on the left. And I guess I should make the distinction. It's the extreme left that it created now the extreme or allowed the growth of the more extreme, I think, right. And mm. so now you have people who are just so angry, but they feel like they have power, more power, more numbers, and they feel justified in their sort of right, righteous rage to play the same games because they don't want to lose. Mm -hmm. But that, mm -hmm. but to me, it's like, okay, what does that make them, right? The exact same. Mason, the exact yeah. same. And that's uh, that's my biggest problem with that. Oh, we've been nice for too long. We've been this for too long. Well, you, there's, um, there's merit in being upfront and direct and just blunt. And then there's also a way of doing it civilly. You don't, you don't have to be particularly nice, but uh, you know, I, th I think that's a, a weird conflation too. It's like, we can, I can be civil to somebody that I completely dislike, you know, yeah. I can, I can just put, kind of put that to the side and be like, you know, when I show up to an event and I have to be around somebody that I don't like, I just go, you know what, you're over there. I'm over here. I'm just not, you know, uh, I'm going to interact with you as least as I possibly can. But like, if I have to interact with you, I'm not going to be absolutely horrible to you. You know, it's like, I don't want to disturb the event. Like is that kind of mindset for me? It's like, um, and I, I don't know, like I get, I get uh, a lot of similar comments from people who don't like, you know, you're just hateful. You're just horrible. You're just a bigot. You're just this, you're just that. It's very interesting kind of coming from the other side and, um, I knew it would, would happen obviously, but it's just, uh, still surreal for me in, in a sense of like, well, I'm not saying anything hateful. 
And the same people who call me hateful and horrible and say that I'm a bad person are very quick to say that I'm this monster and I shouldn't deserve good things and I shouldn't deserve happiness and, um, you know, sending me all kinds of threats and stuff like that. And it's just like, do you, do you, do you just completely, you know, lack the self-awareness to understand that you're acting in the exact same manner that you're claiming that I am. And that's kind of what keeps me from, from ever, you know, even when, like, I have people who will harass me for weeks, months on end, every single video they're posted and it's just insults, you know, and I put up with it uh, for a while and then I'll just eventually block them. But it's just like, why take your time to do that? Why take your time to watch content that you absolutely hate and you're just commenting to, to insult somebody? I don't particularly understand that. Um, and I, I don't know if it, it is that element of like self-righteousness or something like that, but I'm sure people on the left have the same exact thing happen to them. And I'm just not willing, I'm not willing to compromise my own principles and my own values to go, Oh, look, ha ha ha. I made you feel this way. It's like, ugh, okay. Like where did that get us? Nowhere. We're still in the exact same place. And now we're more divided and more divided. And, and the, the, um, actual hateful rhetoric will continue to deepen the chasm that has developed between the left and the right. Because there was once a time where liberals and conservatives were pretty, pretty close together. They, uh, they had a lot of similar values and principles. They just differed on solutions to various problems. That was kind of where we were at, uh, you know, probably when, when like you and I were growing up, that's kind of what we saw going on. Mm -hmm. um, and now, now it's like, well, no wonder people are saying, you know, because a lot of people on the left will, will say, like, you need to oust anyone who uh, is conservative or right leaning and, and you shouldn't interact with them. Well, it's because our, our principles and our values have uh, fundamentally changed in such a way that that and that's why people can't like just be friends anymore. Like, and it's just very surreal. I think it's a it's a it's a bad landscape. And if we don't start trying to to bring the two sides back together and get away from the extremism and build the bridge back up, then, you know, like, uh, it's not going to end well for anyone, in my opinion. So, Do you see a solution to this? Do you see this changing in any way? Or is this going to keep getting better, uh, worse, I mean, until it gets better at some point? Hits you know, it's... um. Yeah, it's one of those things where I I can see it going both ways. Uh, there's a lot of kind of former leftist ex-dem type of people that find their way to me, obviously. Um, and I kind of want, I do like want to kind of just offer that community of like, look, like if you're, if you're unsure about things or you're questioning things or you just want to hear a different perspective that isn't drenched in like this, this, I don't know, um, I, I can't I can't think of the word I'm trying to use, but it isn't drenched in like disdain uh, constantly and like doomsday type scenarios. There we go. Then then that's kind of what I want to offer people, I guess. Um, and it's frustrating because there's just so few people like when you're online, the people who are inter interacting tend to be just crazy. <laughs> like from either, <laughs> either side, like the anonymous people, you know, like you know, people who, who have their name and their, and their face and like, they have other, you know, YouTubes and stuff like that. You can go and watch them and see what they think. I think that's kind of a different realm, but when you got a bunch of anonymous accounts who don't have to like attach their, their actual person hood to this account, they can just yeah. say whatever they want and they, they feel emboldened to do so. And it's like, there's people 
who are on the right who agree with me and they go about sharing their views in absolutely horrible ways uh, from my perspective. And, uh, and a lot of it is just dunking on each side, like the leftists dunk on the right, the conservatives dunk on the left. And I'm very critical of leftist ideology, but I try very, very hard to not attack anyone personally. I don't talk about what people's appearances. Um, I don't name call. It's not something that I like when it happens to me. So I just kind of live by that rule, like just uh, treat other people how you want to be treated. So I'll like, I'll tear apart arguments and uh, viewpoints and stuff like that. But that, and that's, that's the interesting part. Cause there's a disconnect because leftists uh, are so heavily emotionally tied to all their viewpoints that they feel like it's an attack on them. That's the difference. It's mm-hmm. like, the, I'm not attacking you as a person. I'm attacking what you think. I feel a little bit attacked right now. Yeah. You should. You should. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. There is this tendency. It's interesting. I mean, I never did feel that way. And maybe that makes me an individual. Um, But uh, (laughs) because to me, it always was about the idea. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why I'm able to sort of communicate with with regardless of anybody's ideology because that kind of that conversation does I never feel like it's an attack on me it's like it's an idea and if I can't defend that idea then well then I have weak arguments or uh or can't withstand right um Mm -hmm. and so I kind of welcome it because ultimately you know wouldn't I want I'd rather know if it can withstand yeah even abortion I mean that's a tip, that's a really difficult one because I have changed a lot of my perspective on it. I was in a different place in the past than I am now on abortion. Um, I even though I am still pro-choice, it is a different pro-choice stance than it was, um, mm-hmm. and and I'm much more understanding of the complexities because in the past all I heard was the religious argument. That was not mm-hmm. compelling to me, but the other arguments I've heard, I I do find more compelling. I, I mean, obviously the the strong non-religious argument is about it's not it's not your body and your choice, right? It's 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 the it's this other entity. So that make that's what makes it so much more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. And and the, and it is such a. I mean, the reason we can't settle is because there is some unknowns in within that, and and there is some, um, and there is an emotional element, which is what I was trying to bring up with that meme. Is really like of because we we have some unknowns. There's an emotional reaction that we have to certain things, like a living baby that's there versus like one that's like we don't know if it's a actual life or a potential life. Uh, well, some people will see it as an equal life, and some people will see it as um, as uh, as a potential life, perhaps, or you know, a clump of cells. Some people do view it that way. I don't necessarily view it that way myself, but um, it, but that's what makes it such a complex uh, issue for, for mm-hmm. in terms of coming to a sort of consensus. But yeah, I mean, um, what I'm kind of curious with you, be- uh, you know, because you've changed your mind on so many things and it sounds like quite a few, do you see yourself ever changing your mind again? I don't think that 
I don't think I'll ever like flip back. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, if somebody present if if somebody presents a good enough argument with good enough evidence, I will uh, happily revisit some of my viewpoints. Um, and I I've continued to do that since my shift. Like in 2019, I definitely didn't have it all figured out. You know, I had okay, like I've reformed my opinions, and now I have to kind of weed through those also. Um, and I'm constantly reanalyzing uh kind of what i think about things and trying to see the nuance and making sure that i'm not just doing the black and white thinking thing i think it's really really easy to fall into black and white thinking and i think at, at some level both uh <laughs> both groups kind of demand it almost like you're they're all in or you're all out and i think those are the extremes of both groups uh i think a lot, a lot more people kind of lie somewhere uh, amidst the middle, so to speak. But like, you know, even there's so many things that are really uh, mi misconceptions about even um, like, like uh, pro-life and pro-choice, right? So like the pro-life perspective, there's so many people who have a lot of, a lot of people who are on the left, a lot of pro very, very pro-choice people, like almost pro-abortion people at this point, they will look at pro-life and go, well, you don't think abortion should ever be acceptable under any circumstances and yada, yada, yada. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's, there's a, there's a bunch of pro-life people who, th who have exceptions. Almost every single pro-life person I've ever met, I've en ever interacted with always has exceptions for life of the mother because it does not make any sense. Life of the mother prior to viability. I'm going to be very specific because uh, that is where I fall in, in some of the exceptions, right? Um, because it doesn't make any sense when the baby cannot survive, like if something happens during the pregnancy, the mother needs to be treated. And that's not necessarily even done via a direct abortion. Like say the mother got cancer, right? And she only has a certain amount of time to live. She, if she doesn't receive treatment, she's not gonna even make it through uh, you know, the pregnancy or very long afterwards. So she needs treatment, but it will. It, it, there is a chance it could harm the baby. Well, you treat the mother, right? You treat the mother and you hope for the best and if something happens, it's a very tragic situation that occurred. Uh, you know, th that doesn't mean we we keep any type of treatment for very serious health issues just because somebody is pregnant. We have to treat her, you know, and that's where a lot of pro-life people fall. And then there are some pro-life people who also have um, exceptions for like uh, the R word and, uh, and and stuff like that. And that's kind of its own nuanced uh, argument. And there's people who just don't have those exceptions because most of the pro-life movement views this as a human rights violation, right? And there's a lot of people who can be very callous, even in the pro-life side. And I do not like that. Uh, I don't think it's it's helpful whatsoever. But um, yeah, I, I, I just, it's frustrating because it's like people will sit here and say, well, you hate women and you, and you hate blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, like, like how silly is that? Because I am a woman, I am a mother, and I very, very much care about women and babies. Like that, that's just what it is. But when I was pro-choice, I'm going to put this through my own lens. When I was pro-choice, all I thought about was the woman. I did not, I did not think about the baby in that situation. I didn't have any type of empathy. I didn't see it. You know what I mean? So I think that's just the huge disconnect there. And it's something that frustrates me because like in the same way that it's completely unproductive to sit here and call somebody a baby killer because they, they're pro-choice. They've never even had an abortion or something. You know what I mean? They just have that kind of viewpoint. Um, it's just as completely unproductive to say that pro-life people, especially women hate women, you know, it's, it, that's not yeah. the conversation. And it's just uh it's just that hyperbole 
and the, um, I don't know, twisting the argument basically to demonize the other side. Um, now I will say there are a lot of like pro-abortion people who are extremely callous and very crazy when they're espousing their views about the situation. There are some, but I mean, there are some that I would a hundred percent agree with you. I've seen some where I'm like, man, these, I will, I will be right by your side in terms of, I mean, most people <laughs> would find them, including all my friends who are pro, you know, choice. I, I, will, I can even call it pro abortion, I suppose. Um, but you know, it's, uh, they would find it completely, you know, disturbing, you know, and, and worse. Uh, some, some yeah. of the viewpoints that these people espouse and the idea that it's just like, you know, at any moment you, 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 you kill for no reason. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that is not the viewpoint of, of the vast majority of people, uh, of sane people. It's just not. Um, so, and most people really do believe that it is something for exceptions um, and for, you know, it's a, it is, it is not a great choice, <laughs> you know, that is not something even like, I haven't met a lot of people who really do believe that it is something where they're like, that should just be birth control, you know? Oh, really? I have, I've met, I've met a lot of people like that. Okay. Maybe I keep, you know, maybe I met, you know, <laughs> no, I, it's, I, I'm yeah, about to say some judgy things. So maybe I should refrain, but well, I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, I think we have a mm -hmm. lot of options these days in particular where it is, there's a lot that we can do that, mm -hmm. um, that we can have responsibility, take responsibility, but accidents do happen that are not the fault of the person. Um, you know, things do fail despite the best intentions. And also there are other circumstances that happen. And, uh, but in terms of somebody not taking responsibility for their actions, that's a different situation. And I, I, you know, I do think people need to be responsible and there's definitely a lot of options for people, you know, who, who have access to those things. Um, yeah. And I think, um, I do want to make a distinction because I do actually consider pro-abortion and pro-choice people kind of two different, like categories okay. because uh there are people who such as yourself you sound you sound more so like just like kind of like a like an og liberal um <laughs> like a, just yeah. a reasonable person who happens to be uh, a bit more liberal in your in your thinking and your viewpoints and stuff like that um and then there's like and i, I think you know it, it sounds like you definitely do acknowledge like uh just the the element of personal responsibility surrounding this yep. issue and not using it so not treating it frivolously or callously or anything like that or fleetingly like it, this is a very serious topic and a very serious issue right um and then i think the pro-abortion people are the people who uh essentially dismiss any other type of choice um they they promote abortion over everything else there is no lenience there is no um there's a complete dehumanization of the baby. Uh, and, and those are the people who typically I end up interacting with, uh, which is very interesting. Um, and those are, those are the people who will just sling whatever insults they possibly can at you. I you assume that's because they're the ones who find you, but those are, to me, those are the extreme voices. And I think that 
extremists on either side this is my viewpoint on this at this point is like i just think that they represent nothing but extremists and they should be ignored like i just don't take into account what they view because to me they're they're just radicals and i mean maybe maybe listen feel free to argue with me here but i just feel like um whether they're you know on the right or on the left i don't care People like that, to me, they just don't represent the average population, and but they get overrepresented. You, mm -hmm. you are correct in that they do not represent the overall population, right? But I think very much, especially when I, I feel like it's starting to happen a little bit on the right, but especially on the left, the the radical voices are leading the pack, so to speak, um, and uh, you know. There, there's a couple of very radical voices on the right that people really they really need to just like oust because uh, yeah. oh my god no <laughs> but uh <laughs> but i think it's also frustrating to me too because like there's a lot of people who will say oh well the, there there are people who call me like an alt-right radical like and i'm like <laughs> okay all right we're just gonna live in make-believe land but um what what's really interesting to me is I actually have a just on the abortion topic we'll we'll get off it here because we're this wasn't supposed to be like an abortion thing, right? <laughs> yeah. but um it's it's an interesting topic for sure but I actually know uh qu quite a few women actually who have had upwards of like four or five six abortions don't bat an eye at it don't care just celebrate it that sort of thing so it's it actually um you know definitely the it's a radical viewpoint. But it, I have seen it in real life, you know, with people I yeah. actually know in person. And that's what worries me, too, is just the complete disregard of uh, of human life in general. Because I, I and I, I feel like it goes through a, you know, you can interpret that through a, a number of different lenses, um, just not just the abortion issue, but just a, a lack of respect for for life and people and individual rights and all that stuff. Um so it, it, it's just very interesting to me kind of seeing all this stuff kind of transpire and the takes that, that we hear that are like the loudest online. But I will say, I think Twitter particularly, man, Twitter, you get, they're just crazy. They're just crazy people there. There's just a bunch of crazy people or people who specifically will just troll their, their, their engagement farming. They're making really crazy um, you know, posting really crazy opinions or viewpoints or takes specifically to get that engagement boost, which I don't really understand. Like engagement <laughs> farming is very big and it works. It works very mm -hmm. effectively. I'm just like, why are people not onto like there's certain accounts that shall not be named? They engage farm in the exact same manner on a daily basis almost and yet it mm -hmm. continues working and i and i just don't get it are people you know i had this <laughs> this is gonna sound horrible i had this argument with a friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago now or a little less than a couple of years ago maybe a year ago and um i was more optimistic then um, and you know, he said that most people are stupid and, <laughs> and I had already, I think he's put the number at 90% and, um, <laughs> you know, I had, I had argued with him, uh, vehemently and, um, 
I've I'm maybe not to 90%, but I'm starting to come around. Uh, and I feel terrible for saying that, but Twitter is, is, and now people will tell me, you know, Twitter is not real life. And I, and I think that's true because the, the, the type of engagement that you get in real, in, in, on Twitter versus real life is, is significantly different. You just, you don't get this kind of stuff in real life, but you know, you, there's also beautiful things that come out of Twitter. So I don't want to just, you know, some people will call it a hellhole and leave it at that. And, you know, I also get beautiful letters and and sometimes really thoughtful, thoughtful things. So, um, so I don't want to put it down like that entirely, but there is that the engagement farming is, is extreme an extreme driver. Um, the, and and it just feeds into people's uh, the worst kind to me is the kind that feeds into people's rage you know um because it and 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 fears because it it promotes that and it creates more unhealthy kinds of uh environments and and that that kills me that makes me that actually makes me angry because I see it as as extremely harmful for somebody's per, personal gain because I don't even think people put it believe in that stuff. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. they do it just for their own personal gain. And I think that is quite sick, actually. I agree with you uh, 100% because it actually frustrates me a lot how how I see people conducting themselves in the online sphere, because I actually conduct myself online as if I were in person. I, I don't um, overstep any boundaries that I wouldn't in person with someone. And, uh, you know, I do try to pick my battles. Sometimes I, I engage when I should not, and I should just keep scrolling. And, but I see something and I'm like, man, I just, I just feel like this isn't presented in the right light. And maybe I could correct you. And then like, ah! Like, so uh, it's just one of those things. But um, it's interesting because, you know, uh, across all my platforms, and I have I have been able to make like actual valuable connections with people. I've been able to reach people that that perhaps I would not have been able to reach otherwise. Like on, on TikTok, I'm almost at 80K um, on, on YouTube. I'm at like like nearing 160k I think I'm at like 158 or something like that and it just blows me away honestly and the ability to uh, meet new people and like I mean even such as yourself like I would have I would have never known you in real life we would have never had the chance to connect and have this conversation and it's something I very much appreciate because there are people who um I mean there are people who are much more traditional than I am and we kind of talk about two different things and uh, they, they're in a different sphere of content creation and we're good friends and they're very supportive of me and I'm very supportive of them. And it's just this wonderful relationship of like, yeah, we just want to like, just, just be there for one another and be like, man, um, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. And in regards to like my content, you know what I mean? And it's, I, I think it's just really interesting and wonderful. So as much negativity that can be spread online it's actually just because of the individuals themselves. Like if you choose to not partake in the negativity, if you choose to try your best to spread positivity and and promote 
good ideas and chastise the bad ones and, and dissect that and all of that, um, I, I think everyone's user experience would be much more positive in and of itself. I think also, like, I'll tell you what, like, if I spend too much time on Twitter, which uh, I have a habit of doing lately, <laughs> uh, if I log off, <laughs> if I just log off for like a day, I just feel so much better. I'm just like, oh, like the chatter is gone. My mind is clear. Like, I just feel like, oh, like cal more calmer almost. Like, so I really do think like it has a big effect on us uh, emotionally and, and psychologically. I think people think that it affects me like on a personal level, but I think where it affects me is that sometimes just being exposed to people's worst. So that's where I think it's it's not that people are attacking me personally so much. Mm -hmm. It's that people are capable of it. That's what I find sometimes painful as, as a pretty sensitive human. I didn't seem to get less sensitive through the years. So, um, you know, I think that's where Twitter can really hurt me, but so can other platforms anywhere where it kind of shows me. So it's not my engagement so much with other people, but when you see, like, it's the same thing. I get like targeted with like anti-Semitic things. Um, and I'm pretty good at like having, um, very thick skin about that kind of stuff because I'm like, well, it's not about me. It's, it's about them. And, it's just silly to me, right? For someone to have these kinds of thoughts. But um, when you see a lot of it, you're just like, man, this world is kind of filled with, hey, there's so many people who feel these things and feel like that's what their views are. So you read this stuff. So that's where I think sometimes Twitter and other platforms get to me, just, just reading so much hate, hateful stuff. Um, but I notice, yeah, like if I take a break, I've deleted Twitter a few times from my phone F for the first day or so. My finger keeps going there trying to, <laughs> so it's really funny it's, and very sad. Um, and then it's like, I'm, I'm free. I don't need it anymore. Um, I never before, I only started using it actively a couple of years ago when I started becoming outspoken up to then, I just never felt that compulsion to, to tweet, um, and then I started because I used it a lot, uh, because I wanted to use it as a tool to, you know, share certain things and, and then, you know, first very carefully and very cautiously and scared and terrified. And then now I'm like much more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I, I do see the value of it. I, I know that it gives people, I think, I think having certain views come from a pretty, you know, normal person, <laughs> pretty like not a, you know, I'm not a crazy. I think I'm not, I'm crazy in some ways, but I'm not, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not like, mm -hmm. I'm just a, I'm just a normal person and uh, expressing views that people are sometimes scared to express. I think it mm -hmm. makes people feel more comfortable doing that. And that's why I feel like it's important. That's why I haven't really quit Twitter, or, you know, other, other platforms. That's why I keep talking. But, but I do think, you know, modeling certain kinds of behaviors. And I, and I do find that when I watch your content, 
I find it, it comes in good faith. Like I might not always agree with everything because we do have, you know, different views and some things that we agree, I agree with, uh, sometimes not, but it lets me consider it. And I think it's in, the arguments are made in good faith. I don't think it comes from a mean place. And listen, we're all capable of occasionally being a little snooty or a little making slightly, you know, poke fun of something a little more than maybe we should. But in general, you know that it's like it's coming from a good place. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's I think that's important in having, you know, having people see that modeling that I think is really important. And and I think. And I think it encourages other people to kind of do the same. And then maybe pointing out when other people don't do that, but like, I don't, I don't go and I say, you know, so-and-so is doing that. I just talk in generalities and maybe some things that they can watch for. And I think people are smart enough to figure out for themselves who's doing it and what to look for and maybe catch themselves uh, when they fall into little traps, because it's very human to fall into traps. I think we all do it. It's like, it's like gossip. We all know it's not the greatest thing, but we all kind of like to listen to it. Sometimes, you know, it's very human, but, mm -hmm. but we can, you know, I always say, I think I have a lyric or something like that. It's like, I'm, I'm bad, but I choose to be good. Something like that. Or it's like, <laughs> I, I have bad impulses. Like I do, I'm not like, a saint by any means. But in my life, I try to make choices that I think align with the principles I've chosen to live by. And mm -hmm. that's, uh, maybe that's slightly conservative. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, I think that's, that's the best I think people can do is like, we, we don't always have the best, like, the most perfect, pure thoughts. We don't have you know, we're, we don't always make the best decisions either, but we, we at the very least can attempt to do that and, and have some kind of a guide for us where it's like, okay, this is what's important for me to live by. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it, totally. And I think that's actually a big problem is people are not living by the principles with which, uh, or the values that, that they might espouse or or preach to others, you know, I, th I think that's, a, you know, the, the term grifter gets thrown around a lot. But there's a couple of really big people um, in the creator space where it's like, man, like, you're saying a whole lot of things, and you're not living by any one of them. Like, how are, uh, how are you in authority on this? How are you able, you know, to, to say, though, this is how you should live, but you're not living up to that whatsoever. And I think, uh, I think it, it, um, you know, taints the atmosphere. It, it taints the the principles with which they say it's it's just that you know rules for thee and not for me type of mindset. And I just don't agree. It's like we're all people. We're all capable of making mistakes, and we're all fallible. You know, um, and I think that I think that there is a lot of credit to give people who are a bit more humble in the sense that, Hey, maybe I'm not always doing the best job, but I'm trying to better myself and just be a better person every single day. And I think that's where I end up. And, um, I think it's really easy, especially on social media to make a mean joke. Like, yeah, you know, like, like say something mean, but you portray it in such a way that it's, it's funny and it's something to laugh at. And I laugh at that kind of stuff all the time. Right. But I, I grow hesitant to actually do that myself sometimes because it's like, well, I don't want to dogpile 
don't like the whole dog pile um, thing, unless it's like, I don't know, like, like Joe Biden's account or something like that. It's like, you're not, you're not reading any of this anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's, it's some aide somewhere who's, <laughs> who's doing yeah. all of that, you know? Um, so it's, it, you know, certain, certain really large public figures is like, man, you're going to get that no matter what. It doesn't really matter. But when it comes to like, you know, just the average kind of person or, or whatever, I just try to, to not do that. Um, you know, or, or if it's going to be a joke, at least make it funny. I think people say mean stuff and then they say, well, it's just a joke. It's like, that wasn't even mm -hmm. funny, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be really to... funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, you know, and that's just a personal conduct thing. Like, you know, just, I think, I think the thing with freedom of speech is that you should, you should be allowed to say whatever you want, right? You should be allowed to be as heinous as you want. You should be allowed to just espouse the craziest types of views. But it it takes the individual to question if, uh, well, I can do this, but should I? And I think that's the thing that not enough people are, are doing. Like, there are certain things that, like... If you're stating facts, you should never be censored for that. You should never be censored, period. But like, you know, in, in the regards of like, if you're stating something that is factually true, then there's no reason for anyone to come around and say, well, you're being hateful. Well, they, they're not. They're saying something that's just a true thing. Right. Um, and and in the same sense, there are people who run around and they say a bunch of crazy stuff. And they're like, I'm not being hateful. I'm just saying the truth. It's like, well, you are kind of actually uh, <laughs> spreading around some hate and just being nasty about it. So what's the point of that? Um, so anyway, I'm not sure where I'm going. But I think I think that people should really start considering their own personal responsibility in regards to free speech. And it's actually, I think you made a post about it. Cause I, I read your self-censorship article. I think I shared it on my Instagram actually, cause it was really good. Um, and it resonated a lot with me because I was like, man, yeah, self-censorship sucks. And I do it all the time. So I can kind of skirt all of the, all of the arbitrary censorship that's going on. And so my message gets out there, but there is a cost in doing that of, you condition people to self-censor in such a way and that will just continue and continue and continue until we're not allowed to say anything. And it's because we ourselves are, are censoring ourselves. Um, so I don't know. I kind of just like go back and forth on that, but uh, with like, you know, the levels of egregiousness that, <laughs> but I think just on a personal conduct level, people should just, uh, just act as if they were in person with people. That's just kind of what I do. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say something online that I wouldn't say in person. Yeah, I think that the post you're referring to was where I said just, you know, freedom of speech is this kind of wonderful thing that we have. Um, but, it, you know, it's kind of, I think it was something about how it sort of saddens me, though, that when people use it on things like, you know, say racism or <laughs> um, it just seems like such a waste or hateful things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because... I think it's like, like you, I do think, you know, I wouldn't censor, but it does feel like there is a personal, that personal responsibility. I completely agree. That's what kicks in. It's like, I do think about what I say very carefully. And it's like, why, why am I saying it? What's the intention? How is the person going to hear it? Should it be said, you know, and it's not like, if you're making a joke, is it is why are you doing it to make a joke? Are you making it because it's an important point to make? Mm 
Are you making it because it's just going to be a funny joke? You're going to hurt somebody's feelings? Like all of these things are important to consider. And, um, you know, I, I guess I, I wrote a, a piece once uh, on my Substack. It's called um, The Guiding Question, that, the question that guides me. It's like, is it useful? Right. So mm -hmm. it's what I ask myself before I, you know, might say something. I, tr I try, it's like, is it useful? If I, if I phrase it this way, is it going to be useful? If I just react emotionally, if I, you know, put somebody down, what is that going to do? So sometimes we yeah. have these instincts, right? It's like, yeah, like, yes, I might not want to control somebody. Like, again, this is for myself, right? It's not for somebody else. But the way that I want to live my life is like, you know, if I just correct someone just to make myself look smarter, what's the usefulness of that, right? Versus phrasing something a certain way that is maybe more humble, like doesn't make somebody feel bad, but maybe impart something that's helpful in some way, right? So I, mm -hmm. I think if you're always keeping that in mind, in the back of your mind, I think it helps refocus everything you say uh, in a way that puts something out into the world. And if you're, you know, if you're making fun of a politician even, right? What's the usefulness of that? Sometimes there is a usefulness, right? You're, you're showing people a flaw maybe in what they're doing. Uh, you know, you're making fun of the king <laughs> because that's important. You know, it's an important po point to make. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're just doing it to land a cheap shot, then maybe it's not very useful. And then why are you doing it? Is it is it really adding anything to the world? It's interesting because because, um, yeah, uh, it's something that I, I you know, there's a lot of times where I have a funny thing in my head. I'm like, it's a, it's a funny kind of quip, you know, and I don't post it because it's not, it's just something like, ha, I had this thought. I laughed at it. I'm going to keep scrolling, you know? Um, and again, that's just, you know, like you said, that's just for my own conduct. You know, I, when I go to a comedy show, I expect it to be, uh, some, some pretty, uh, outlandish controversial stuff. That's, that's the point of it. You know, it's, yeah. uh, to kind of perhaps laugh at things that, that we might not ordinarily laugh at. Um, and I'm somebody who like, I use dark humor, in my own life because it's just a way that I deal with things. It's a way that I deal with like, um, you know, my upbringing and stuff like that. My brother and I will sit and make jokes about like horrible things that uh, happened to us or we went through or, or whatever. And just the, the way that we have to deal with that. Right. And I think a lot of people do that, but I think, um, I don't know. It's just one of those things like you should, you should be able to say whatever you want. There should never be ramifications for, uh, aside from like inciting violence, obviously, which isn't protected, but, um, you know, if, if you're saying stuff, then say whatever you want. But I think it is, uh, again, just it's just up to all of us individually to decide where those boundaries for us lie. And some people just don't have any. Like some people just say crazy yeah. stuff. And but it's like, like you can you hurt doing? people's feelings, but <laughs> why should you? But should you? You know, you can wear anything you want, but do you need to dress should poorly? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, well, it's. Yeah, it's it very much is that. And it also from the reverse of that, I think people also need to learn how to not take things personally. Um, 
from strangers that you don't know. You know, that's something that I struggled with quite a bit because it's this like, well, these people think this thing about me. Okay. So what does that actually affect you? Does it actually disrupting your life? Is it actually, uh, you know, causing problems? Like there are people who, you know, mob people and then like go and try to get them fired and stuff. That's something that actually is affecting you. But if it's not yeah. affecting you in your day-to-day life, it's, if it's just a mean thing, somebody to say on the internet then just, you keep, you keep going and you, you, that is more, in my opinion, that is more a reflection of them than it is of you, right? It is more of a reflection of their character than an inherent flaw within yourself. Um, and I, that's just kind of what I go by because it's something that you have to learn how to deal with when you're in these online spaces and you have like fairly big, um, you know, uh, platforms or people, you know, people who are following you and stuff like that. Because uh, you're going to get, you, you know, everybody gets a lot of that. <laughs> Yeah, it it is. And it's it's a little hard like it can be a little bit like you you're not used to it. It takes a little bit of time to be used to it. But what you just said it's like how I feel about racism, you know? It's a reflection of them and not you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um I think I think that's like a it helps to kind of look at it that way cuz I think it, people just um I think often people take things like that personally. But really, it's it's not personal. Like somebody who thinks in that way, it's just like to me, there's something wrong with them. Um, maybe it's treatable. Hopefully, it's treatable. But like, um, but that's just them. It's not you. And uh, but it's hard. Like sometimes you read certain comments, and you know, people comment on saying my looks, and it's like I find that really because I'm not used to that. It's like in a, on scale, it's like, it can be a little bit tricky or if people comment on, you know, calling me a libtard <laughs> or a Nazi, or I, I I've been called by the way, a Nazi at this point by both conservatives and liberals. So it's just, it's really, it just shows you what, what these things mean, how little these things mean. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, man, I think the the volume of this stuff sometimes can get to a person when they're not used to it, which is like a lot of people I talk to do kind of tune it out or block it. So they're not affected by it. Um, But I'm also like, I want to have communication with people. I don't want to completely block people out. So it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to balance, but you know, it's one of those things that it's interesting. I actually don't block many people whatsoever. Uh, you have to you have to be particularly egregious or harassing me for like months on end uh, for for to get a block from me, um, which a lot of people are very happy to block others, and that's their own thing, you know. But I'm just one of those people who's like, mm, I'm I'll put up with your crap for for a, a certain number of time. Uh, but yeah, I probably have I've probably only blocked like a dozen accounts on any given platform which like YouTube, you can't do that at all. So it's like, whatever. But um, yeah, like, I think you can like hide them from your channel or something like that. But I don't know if that's just like, yeah, you can like click like hide user from your channel. But again, I don't know if that's just hiding your view of their comments and everyone else can still see them or if that's hiding, like, I have no idea. Well, a lot um, what people do is they, they, um, they don't even block them necessarily. I mean, some do, but they, they'll just turn off, um, notifications for anybody that's not like that they're not following basically Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So they yeah. kind of block and, themselves off from the world in a way. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting because like, I'm just somebody who I, I want to know what everybody's saying. And, um, there's a lot of times where I'm a, very much a lurker. Like I just don't make my presence known. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are like that. Yeah. I, um, I particularly understand why, why big, big names are like that because like, I've even, I'm like, I'm not like a huge, you know, content creator. And, you know, I have, I have a really cool platform, a good size platform. I'm really appreciative of that, but it's funny. Cause I'll go and I would be watching like a live and I'll be on my, uh, my account that has, you know, freely Ashley on it. And if I comment, like, it's surprising to me when people are like, Hey, I know you and Hey, hi. And I'm like, Oh no, like I wasn't trying. I was just, I'm just watching the video guys. Like, <laughs> like, don't, don't pay attention to me. I'm not important here. You know what I mean? And it's just this very, cause I have a disconnect with it. Cause I don't think that, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I've watched so many creators for so long. And so it's, it's weird to be one of those people, you know? And, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's been really cool though. Cause like, People, you know, you you kind of brought up earlier that it if you say what you think about things and you're, um, you know, espousing your views in a positive way, how that can be inspirational to other people. And I've had a number of people reach out to me and kind of say that to me and uh, and say that, like, I helped kind of kind of push them into content creation or they just really appreciate it because they feel like they can't talk. And that, that's like one of the biggest compliments I think I could ever get is like, Hey, like you're either a voice for me. Cause I'm not, I'm not willing to put myself out there or you helped me push myself to, to start doing this too. And I just think that's so cool. And it's just, uh, it's just a really beautiful thing within this environment of like, you know, I don't know, people saying that you, if you have the wrong viewpoints, you're not allowed to talk. Well, that's ridiculous because who, who are you to say if my viewpoint is wrong? Like, you're not actually putting it up against yours. You were just saying that mine is wrong and just going. So there it's such a silly, silly thing. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to have found your viewpoint. Um, Whether it um, round runs counter to mine or uh, in alignment to mine. um, I I'm always glad to hear it. And I'm, I'm glad you found your voice and uh, I'm so glad to have had the chance to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you. Like, thank you, seriously, because uh, it's really cool. And it's it's also a big reason why, I, like, you know, I followed you It's like, this is a person who has different viewpoints. I want to keep I want to keep keep them in my, uh, you know, uh, my my viewpoint there, my eyesight, because it's, it's important to not lock yourself in an echo chamber. Uh, I think it leads to dangerous things when you're surrounded by a bunch of yes men, you know, a bunch of people yeah, who agree with sure. you. You need, you need to at least be exposing yourself to, to various perspectives and uh, be willing to, to listen and see them. So I think it's very cool. And thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's uh, been a wonderful little chat here. Absolutely. Very, very great to have you on. And, um, you know, I always encourage people to kind of disagree with me. I think they take it a little too literally. So I should start paying them, but uh, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah it's i i think it's i think it's important to have people with whom you can have like great conversations and uh who aren't afraid to disagree with you but do it with like respect and 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 are actually capable of making really great points you know Mm -hmm. um because i just i i always say that i see that as a gift 
because um, you know if you if you stay in your own viewpoint without any challenge, then you know how how do you know you're right? Exactly. Um, so this is an opportunity to either make refine your viewpoint or or change it a little bit, you know. And I think that's I see that as a gift. What what else can you wish for? So I really appreciate you. And again, thank you for being having this conversation with me. Yeah, and we even touched on so abortion, the most forbidden yeah. topic of all, <laughs> or one of one of. So great, it's a hot button one. <laughs> it it sure is. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.